Chapter Three of Outlaws of Ravenhurst by Sister Emma Melda Wallace, S.L. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Uncle Roger. There is mother at the edge of the clearing, called Joel from his perch on the horse's back. I wonder what brought her away out here. Well, if the little twins have let their mother bring in the cows, they'll hear from me right now," said John Abel sternly. I don't think she's after the cows. It looks to me as if she's crying. Crying? Are you sure of it? Something is wrong, then. Slip down, George. You'll have to walk now. And John Abel hurried through the woods. Mary, he called, as soon as they were within speaking distance. What has gone wrong? Whatever it is, don't cry that way. We'll get through somehow, for sure, and God's good. They've come for George she sobbed don't be taking that to heart now it's one thing to come for him and another to get him i've had that boy too long to give him up at a minute's notice they will prove their right before they take him and we won't cross that bridge until we come to it what do they say it's proof enough they have and more's the pity the minute i saw the gentleman i knew he must be kin to george he is like enough to the boy to be his father but he is only an uncle. There are letters, too, one from His Excellency Cecil Calvert, and one with the King's own hand and seal. They be great folk, John, and no mistake. The squire, too, is with them. They took Jim and Johnny till we deliver the boy. Oh, there's no way at all. We'll have to give George up. Calvert and the King and the squire, too, said Abel slowly. We've come to the bridge after all. I've no right to keep another man's son. No man would have the right to keep mine. But it's hard, bitter hard. I love the boy. Mother, broke in George, they can't take us away from you. You won't let them take us, will you, Daddy? Mary Abel drew the boy into her arms. You tell him, John, she sobbed. I can't do it. Well, there is nothing else to do but say out straight and blunt a thing I never meant that you should know. George, you are not one of the Abels. You are not Joel's twin. You are not my son. Though God knows there is not one of my own that I love more than I love you, child. Father Cornwall found you sitting by the roadside and brought you to us. I set you on Mary's knee beside Joel, and so far as love and care go, you have been ours ever since. It is a bitter thing to me to give you up. Still, I have no right to keep you from your people. Oh, you were so sweet that night, sobbed the woman. I asked you your name. You put one arm around wee Joel, and up you looked with your big blue eyes for all the world like a robin. Me's Doherty, says you. Me want donkey tee-wee, me do. We thought by that your name was George. But the gentleman called you Gordon. For many a day you cried for Dunky Tewee. But, John, Mrs. Abel turned towards her husband. There is worse than the taking of him. I don't like the looks of that uncle. Oh, how he did curse when he saw the image of Our Lady on the mantle. Perhaps he will lead our lad astray. As for leading our lad astray, said Abel, putting one great hairy hand on the boy's shoulder, no man can lead you into sin if you don't follow him. 
you will have to stand on your own two feet and be a man. Remember one thing. There is nothing worth buying, not fast horses, nor fine houses, nor even a place in the king's court, if the price you pay for it is the fire of hell for evermore. There was a clatter of hoofs on the bridge in the hollow. Here they come now. Goodbye, lad. We'll say the beads every day till we know that you are safe. Abel's deep voice trembled. Goodbye, boy, and God bless you. The one on the grey horse is his uncle, said Mary, pointing one roughened, toil-worn hand. You can see the likeness yourself, John. The boy's face is brown, and his jaw is more square, said Abel, though they are indeed alike. But God grant the boy's face may never be like the man's. It is bitter hard to trust our boy to such a keeper. Bitter hard. The horseman galloped toward them, straight across the sprouting corn. The gentleman sprang from his horse and drew the gauntlet from his right hand. The fingers were long and white. There was a ring, one only, but the jewel in it might have shone in the king's crown. He took the brown hand of the boy in his and looked at the face closely. It is the Gordon he said, but whence comes all these bruises? There is a burn. Turning sharply toward Abel, you will explain this. The lad loaded the gun too heavily. It was old and blew up with him, sir. Thanks to the mercy of God, he wasn't hurt badly. God's mercy, what of your own carelessness, allowing a mere babe to load a gun? Sir, here in Maryland we don't call boys of ten babies, if you think him too young to handle a gun, look at the bear on my horse yonder. That's his hunting bag for this afternoon. There was just a touch of honest pride in John Abel's voice. Gordon killed yonder great beast, cried the nobleman. Ah, well, no wonder. He is the scion of the house of Ravenhurst. The earls were famous huntsmen, all of them. Edwin, remain and bring the skin. It will look well below fire the bray's antlers. Uh, Godfrey, give the fellow the reward. It is a fat purse, and will repay you for your trouble, my man. John Abel straightened his shoulders. Keep the money, your lordship, he said bluntly. The boy is yours. I have no right to keep him, but I'm not selling him to you. Ah, if a man has a cabin in this new land, he fancies himself already a gentleman, sneered Sir Roger Gordon. Martin, give the peasant his brats. Walter, bring Lord Gordon his horse. The twins struggled down from the soldier's saddle and ran to their mother. But, as Walter came forward with the horse, George drew his hand from his uncle's grasp. I want to say good-bye, please, he said. Walter, give the young gentleman your hand to mount. We've wasted too much time as it is. I'm going to stay till I say good-bye flashed the boy, and I won't go before. Do as you are bid, George. It was Mary's quiet voice. Yes, mother. And the boy mounted. The horseman trotted back across the field and down the road, but the boy's face was turned toward the wood. The little group among the trees dropped out of sight. The cabin came and went. As the last bit of smoke was hidden by the trees, the brave lips began to tremble, and the tears came, burning hot and choking. 
Sir Roger gave a signal. The troop swung forward, leaving him and his nephew alone. Is this the gratitude you show to the uncle who has come overseas in search of you? I wanted to say good-bye. You wouldn't let me even kiss mother or tell Joel. Kiss? Such dirty. They are not dirty. Only from hard work since sun-up. They are my folk. Joel, he's my twin. I mean, I always thought he was. Your folk, cried the gentleman with a laugh. But you do not know, as yet, who or what you are. You are Charles Gordon, Lord Rockraven, the son of James Gordon, Lord of Rockraven, third Earl of Ravenhurst. Your mother is Lady Margaret of Douglas, daughter of Sir Wilfred Douglas, of the line of old Sir Archibald Bell the Cat. There are few in Scotland that can boast such blood as yours. And you are weeping for your folk, the folk of the heir of Ravenhurst. He laughed again. John Abel, lord of a log cabin and a pigsty, and size an ox, and brain a pipkin. His most noble dame, with a face as wrinkled and brown as the apple, she baked last Candlemas. A dozen, nay, was it fourteen, red-headed brats, and these are the folk of the scion of Ravenhurst. A light leaped far down in those deep blue Douglas eyes, a flame that burned up boyish tears to leave a white-hot anger which Roger both knew and feared. Gordon answered, Sir, poor or not, the Abels are my folk. End of chapter 3